Thank you, Bless Pastor you, my Marty. Friend. Hey, thank you, Calvary Church. Uh, just want to say we have such an affection and an affinity for you, uh, being behind so many wonderful global ministries. We love your pastors, Pastor Marty and Becky and the whole staff. Pastor Tim came to Peru with an amazing team and actually some of what was on the video of drilling wells in the clinic, giving out food uh, in poor areas was part of your team. And so we want to thank you. We truly feel blessed. And the Hebrew mindset, that word, means that you're empowering somebody to succeed. And so through your prayers, your love, your friendship, and your generosity, we are empowered to succeed with the mission of God. So I love the, the theme, strength for today, and hope for tomorrow. And uh, I want to show a picture of a team that followed up from Alaska right after your team had come and drilled wells in the village of Pampanamosa. And when they came, they were just sharing their lives and their love, and it was such an impact. And then we held a family festival night, and that's actually my son-in-law, Paul. He's a youth pastor. He preached the message, and we were relaunching a church where the pastor had died from COVID. And I want to tell you, Jesus is good. Over 40 people gave their lives to Jesus that night, and that's a direct result of the seed that this church sowed. And so the Bible in its entirety ascribes only one intention to God, and that is to save mankind. Even in the Old Testament, over 300 scriptures that speak to God's heart for the nations, and man, we already heard 67 nations represented here, and I'm a Peruano by birth, so I even get to represent one of those other nations. My grandfather was a lay leader in the Presbyterian Church, and there's a Presbyterian devotional. I'm not sure if it originated there or where it, it started, but it goes like this, that when God wanted to create fish, he spoke to the sea. When God wanted to create the trees, he spoke to the earth. And when God wanted to create man, the Bible says he spoke to himself, and he said, let us, the triune Godhead, make man in our image. You know, you take a, a, a fish out of the sea, and what happens? It dies. You uproot a tree out of the earth, and it too will die. And if you take man out of the environment that he was created to exist in, the environment of God, he too will die. Life with God is our original, our natural environment. We were created to live in his presence. And that's why Paul, when he's at Athens and he's speaking to these Stoics and these philosophers and somebody says, man, what is this babbler saying? And he looks at this altar that has an inscription on it to an unknown God. And he said, this, this unknown God that even your poets you know, have mentioned, he said, he is the God who has created all things by his hands and set everything into motion and separated the boundaries where people should live. And in this God, in him, we live and move and have our being. And this is the very heart of the gospel because in the Garden of Eden, man sinned and that relationship, that environment that man was in with God was severed. But praise God for the prophecy of the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman that would crush the serpent's head. And that is Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful that he's done that. And that is our message. And Paul writes about the mystery of the gospel. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
And the Old Testament laws, rules, and regulations, there is no mystery to that. It's very clear, but this mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the goodness of God, the blessing of God, the light of God. Now, I know some of you went by somewhere today to your favorite coffee place. Maybe you walked in. Maybe you went through a drive-thru and you asked for your favorite coffee. I used to do 16-ounce breves, you know, just full of half and half. My wife cut me off from those, and I'm down to Americanos now, but... Imagine if you asked for your coffee and, and all of a sudden the, the, the barista just dumps the coffee onto you, onto your lap. You would be, what is the matter with you? There's an expectation that that coffee is going to come in a container. Imagine you're door dashing a pizza late at night. You know, you get, the, you get a little hangry late at night and, and you door dash that pizza and all of a sudden you notice through the window that the pizza guy jumps out and he's got a huge bushy beard and there's no box, he's just cradling your pizza and, and his beard is just swiping through the cheese and, and, and the ingredients. You know, you ordered the, the best pizza on earth, an all-meat combo with the one vegetable that we really need, jalapenos, right? And the jalapenos are sticking to his face and he's coming up, man, you would be losing it. Or maybe you just hit the DoorDash thing, just leave it at the door, you know, just leave it at the door. And he just sets it right onto your doormat where Fido sleeps and your furry mangy cat, and man, you, what would you say? You would say, where is the box? There's an expectation that that goodness, that all-meat combo is going to be in the box. And I believe this is what God is saying to us today, that if you would just give me your box and allow me to fill it with my goodness and my glory and my presence. I want you to live in my environment again. What I want you to understand is this box is, it's not that valuable. I mean, I was willing to pay for it last night and they just said, they gave it to me. Here you go, it's, it's not that valuable. The value of the box is because of the value of what is inside. You know what is tragic is when I'm traveling around the nation and I'm in South America three to four months out of the year and our, our home base is Alaska where all of our kids are, with number, uh, grandchild number 11 is on the way and, uh, and, and then we travel to churches like this that partner with us and what's tragic is when somebody will come up before a service and they hear that I work in a third world country and they'll say, is God doing anything out there? Are there any miracles or healings taking place? And when they say something like that, it, it's, it's a tragedy because it speaks to what is going on in their heart. They're, they're experiencing an impoverishment of the soul. But I want to tell you, Jesus is at work. <laughs> he is saving people all over the world, right here in Naperville, all through the United States. A move of God is happening and to the ends of the earth. And I heard the Lord say, remind them of my commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How many know this is an unstoppable commission? And there's two key realities we have to think about when we look at the, the, what we call the Great Commission. The first is this. Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me. In other words, through his death and resurrection, 
He has changed the atmosphere and the authority over all the governments of the earth. There's a seismic uh, shift that has taken place when Jesus resurrected, so much so that he reminds John the Beloved on the Isle of Patmos, he says, look at me, I hold the keys of hell and death. I've accomplished what needs to be done to restore mankind back to the environment with myself. It's an unstoppable commission. And then this, that your mission will succeed. That good fruit will be born out of you as a disciple of Jesus, being willing to go. You are a byproduct of the authority of God. And we have to understand this with a renewed mind, the governmental shift and the success that Jesus says will take place. God has called you to be effective. And Paul writes and says, well, one person you know, they sow the seed. That's what, uh, that's what Calvary did, drilling wells in Pampermosa. And then another one comes, and, and they water. That was the team from Alaska of what happened. But the, Paul says, but God gives the increase. He doesn't say he could give the increase or he might give the increase. No, God gives the increase. And so to every disciple here, you have to understand this happens as you go. As you go, some of you are intercessors and prayer warriors for uh, the local area and missionaries all over the world. And as you pray, you are going with those missionaries. Some of you write encouraging letters and, and words of prophecy. When you do that, you are going. Some of you are resourcing the kingdom of God here in Naperville, greater Chicago, in the USA, and to the ends of the earth. When you do that, you are going. I want to share a testimony. We'll put this picture on the screen of this church we just built in San Juan Village on the Yanayaku River. I had heard about this beautiful area that was a wildlife preserve, and, uh, and, so, and I heard that they were wanting a church to be built in their village. Well, you know, we usually start with evangelism. So I went there, started sharing the gospel, met with the leaders. Uh, some people came to faith, and we kept this relationship. My sister took a medical team there, and uh, and, and they did medical work, and then we came back and we, we built this church in a couple of days, and I'll show you this picture of this man, this older man, Antonio. He's 83 years old, and uh, you know, they kept us down low. We were working down low. The other guys were up high doing the high stuff, and got to meet him and know him and, and, and hear about himself and his family and asked him about, have you ever uh, prayed in your life? Have you ever gone to church? And he said, no, I've never done this. So we invited him to the dedication service, and uh, some of my friends shared a testimony. I preached a gospel message. Uh, my friend, President Guido, he did a salvation call, and what was amazing is three of these hard men in the village gave their life to Jesus. Antonio was one of them. It's never too late when Jesus tells us to go with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And man, if anybody needs to get saved, it's the octogenarians, right? They, they don't have that much time left. And then we went to dedicate the church to lay our hands on the shungos, the posts, and you'll see this picture on the screen of Antonio over there. He's just gathering with some of our Christian workers and, and laying hands just, just a couple of minutes into his life in Christ, and he's already wanting to, to pray and to be a man of faith and to believe for his village. And the great miracle of this was afterwards, the village leaders came and said, would you guys like some land? We'll give you 100 
uh, meters by 100 meters of land on the Yanuyaku River. Now, imagine this is like getting land in Denali National Park in Alaska or, or Yosemite or something like that. It's a beautiful area, all kinds of wildlife. And, and then when our, our, our interpreter went back there, one of our guides, and met with them, they actually, the whole village voted to give us 200 by 500 meters, over 20 acres that's going to be a campground for the ministry in Peru. How cool is God? You know, this all happens because of the motivation of love. Love does stuff. Love is active. Julian, the emperor of Rome, and he was the last emperor in the Constantine era, there's a letter that we have that he writes to the high priest, the pagan priest in, in Galatia, and he tells him, he says, I'm commanding you to outlove the Christians. <laughs> he said, these Christians, we're, we're going to lose the empire because of the way that they take care of their poor, and not just their poor, but the pagan poor, how they treat their wives well, and they treat slaves like brothers, and, and all that they're doing for the poor and tending the graves. And he commanded his high priest and his people to outlove the Christians, but how many know that didn't work? You can't, it's not a command, it is the Holy Ghost, amen? It's not a strategy, it is the love of God from the environment of God. And so love is our motivation, the gospel is our message, and you, the church, are God's method as you go, as we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, where? In jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It doesn't come from us, from you or me. And this light is a theme all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The very first words that we read in Genesis, God says, let there be light. The psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. We even get all the way to Revelation in the last chapters and we see that there is no need for sun or a moon, because the glory of God and the Lamb are the light for the new city, Jerusalem. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but he also said, you are the light of the world. And this treasure, we have this treasure, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that illuminates us everywhere we go. And so we always ask churches for my wife, Lorraine, and I, as we go into these unreached tribal groups and into these villages where there's witchcraft taking place and there's witch doctors, we just say, would you pray with us that God would light us like lamps and send us into places of darkness and death? We have this treasure, but what's so tragic is when Christians don't realize the treasure that they possess. They don't realize who they are in God, their inheritance, and what they have. It's a story of Danny Simpson back in 1990 in Ottawa, Canada. Some of the older generation might remember this, and he went into a bank after casing it for a week with the family pistol, and he held up the teller, and he made it off with $6,000, but he wasn't too bright because he'd been going in for a week without a face mask on. They identified him very quickly and they found him. The law enforcement found him with the $6,000 and that pistol. And what they discovered was this pistol was actually an antique pistol from 1918 from the Ross Rifle Company, one of the earliest 45 semi-automatics. In 1990, 
it was valued at over $100,000. Now imagine you're sitting there in the bank with something in your hand worth $100,000 just to get $6,000, and he would spend six years in jail because of it. And I realized when I used to pastor in Alaska, there was far too many Danny Simpsons in the church, far too many that did not know what they had in the Lord, this treasure, and this treasure, where is it? It is in jars of clay. It's in jars of clay. I want to show this picture to you of one of our evangelists, Marcos Londonio, and he's our evangelist for the lower Amazon region up to the Brazil and Colombia borders, and Last, at the end of last year, we had our minister's conference, almost 600 people gathering there, evangelist pastors. I wasn't in the business meeting, so I didn't know what, what had happened to him. But we had a healing service that night, and we laid hands on many of our ministers that needed a touch, a physical touch from God. And all of a sudden, he starts shouting and praising God. His hands are laid on him. And what I didn't know, but all the other ministers knew, is that Marcos had had a stroke a week before. And, and half of his body was in paralysis, and, and he couldn't use his vocal cords. He could not speak, and yet he came. And I want to tell you, I am an incurable believer in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to be cured anytime soon. And in this picture, he's sharing with all of the other apostolic evangelists that he is going to continue to be a voice with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to continue to be a light in dark places. And so we have these jars of clay, and jars can break so easily, can't they? They can shatter and break, but I want to tell you, you might be here broken today. Jesus wants to heal you, and he wants to take those broken pieces and make something so beautiful, so unique, and your testimony could be a great light to so many others. I want to show you these pictures of Kintsugi Japanese pottery, and I love the whole idea behind this because with Kintsugi pottery, it means the golden joinery of how repair is done with broken pottery. The Japanese take some powdered gold or silver or platinum and they sprinkle it into the lacquer and they put it back together. And what I love about this, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of the object. Maybe you're here today and you're broken. I want you to know your brokenness does not need to be disguised. We have the repairer of souls here today, the one who can redeem all things in your life, the one who can heal you and make something beautiful out of your life. And if that's you, God wants a word with you today. He wants a word with you today. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And then you can be that jar that can hold the light of God and you can go in and extend that light in dark places. Sometimes we need to be able to just see clearly, to see the light. I want to end with this Bible story in Mark chapter 8. There's a story of this blind man in Bethsaida up in the Galilee and Jesus comes there and they bring this blind man to Jesus and for some reason he takes him outside of the city and the Bible says he spits in his eyes, and then he takes his hands and he lays them, and he touches the man's eyes, and he prays and he asks the man, he says, what do you see? And the man says, I see men like trees walking. In other words, he, he got some vision, but it was still a little blurry, and 
I wonder how many of us today were living with like a blurred vision of the mission of God, of who we are in Christ, of, of what Jesus can do in us and through us to others. I love his honesty because this man says, I just see men like trees walking. What if he hadn't said that? But hey, Jesus, I'm good, I'm good. I, I, I see good enough, but no, he said, this is all I see. And the Bible says Jesus touched him a second time. And I think some of us here today, we might need a second or a third touch from the Lord because our vision has gotten messed up with God's heartbeat to save all mankind. He is a missionary God, and we are blessed to be a blessing to others. I want to pray for you as I close. Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you for every individual here that is gathered from the north, south, east, and west. It's not by chance, but it's by your divine providence and the drawing of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I pray that for those of us here today that need another touch, God, our vision has, has gotten blurry and Lord, maybe we've allowed sin into our lives. Lord, we repent of that right now and forgive us and heal us. Lord, and expand our capacity. Lord, give us sight to see with your eyes the needs of the world and humanity that is lost. Jesus, we want to go with your gospel. This is our message. In Jesus' name, in Calvary Church shouts, Amen.